We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. A mild, unseasonable rain could not cloud the glory of the moments preceding the Washington Redskins showdown with the ruling world champion Dallas Cowboys. Not since 1945 had Washington hosted a championship game. And not since 1942 had Washington, D.C. been the home of a champion. Just remember this. 40 men together can't lose. Okay. That was George Allen prior to kickoff. 50 years ago today, December 31st, 1972, as the Washington Redskins got ready to battle their heated rival, the Dallas Cowboys, in the NFC Championship game. The first NFC Championship game during the Super Bowl era for Washington, a game they won with a dominating defensive performance and more than enough offense, winning the game 26-3 to advance to Super Bowl Seven, where they would lose to the 72 Dolphins, still the only team during the Super Bowl era to go undefeated start to finish 14 to seven. Uh, this is a special edition of the podcast. Uh, looking back at that game 50 years ago, one guest on this show today, and it would be the guy you'd want to hear from about not only that game, but the season that led up to that game as well. Billy Kilmer, the starting quarterback of the Redskins that day, will join me in a few minutes. But before we get to Billy, a few things to give you some context uh, of that game of 50 years ago. First of all, this was year two of George Allen. George Allen had arrived in 1971, said the future is now, traded for every former Ram player for the most part, uh, traded every draft choice. And in that first year, 1971, the Skins went 9-4-1, made it to the postseason, and lost to the 49ers in Candlestick 24-20 as the wildcard team in the divisional round. But that set the stage for 1972, and they came back as a very good football team, one of the best defenses in all of the NFL. Uh, they had certainly a controversy at quarterback. Would it be Sonny? Would it be Billy? Billy had finished up the 71 season, had quarterbacked much of the 
this 71 season. They came back with Billy Kilmer in the opener in the early portion of the season, but eventually went to Sonny before Sonny tore his Achilles in late October in a game against the Giants in Yankee Stadium. Kilmer took over the team the rest of the way. They went 11-1 and in that regular season before losing their final two games, but they had already clinched the NFC East title. They lost to the Cowboys in a meaningless game late in the year, lost to O.J. Simpson and the Buffalo Bills in the season finale at home, but they went into the postseason as an 11-3 team with home field advantage, beat the Packers 16-3 in the divisional round, and then faced the Cowboys on December 31st, 1972, 50 years ago today in the NFC title game. A couple of things that led up to that matchup. The um, the the week before in the divisional round was the immaculate reception, which was just uh, you know celebrated and remembered last weekend, December twenty third, nineteen seventy two, was the immaculate reception. That was the first playoff game of divisional round the, the week before. The second game that day, that Saturday, December twenty third, was a Dallas comeback in San Francisco. They rallied from twenty eight to thirteen down to win the game thirty to twenty eight to advance to the NFC championship game to face Washington. If not, it would have been the 49ers who looked like they were in total control of that playoff game late in that game. Washington beat Green Bay the next day. Miami won the next day. And so it was Miami and Pittsburgh in the AFC championship game, which started at noon on that December 31st. And Miami actually played that game on the road. Uh, There was not a home field advantage determined based on record back then. It was on a rotating divisional uh, basis. And the AFC Central, even though the Steelers had a worse record than Miami, everybody had a worse record uh, than Miami, they hosted the AFC title game. Miami won that game, though, earlier in the day, uh, 21-17. And then the NFC championship game kicked off at 3 p.m. in D.C. at RFK Stadium. And here was an interesting fact about that particular game that day in D.C. It was blacked out. It was not on local television. There was the NFL blackout rule back then. All home games were blacked out. It wasn't until the following year where they then instituted the lifting of the blackout rule if games were sold out 72 hours in advance, which then meant that every Redskin game was on TV because every game was sold out before the season began. Um, But the NFL, for many, many years, up until just a few years ago, felt like attendance was the most important thing. And if games were televised locally, they wouldn't sell out games. It would hurt uh, the ticket market for games. So the game was blacked out. You could not watch the game. It was nationally televised except in Washington. Now, it was on television in Baltimore on the CBS affiliate Channel 2. So if you had one of those TVs back then where you could barely get Channel 2, you probably wrapped your antenna in tinfoil and perhaps were able to see some semblance of a picture. Maybe in D.C. you were able to get the Baltimore stations. Interesting story about that is that Nixon, the president then, who was a massive football fan, 
um, tried to get Pete Rozelle to lift the blackout rule for playoff games. Um, but Roselle refused to do it. Uh, but they eventually voted into legislation prior to the 73 season, the 72-hour lifting of blackout if games were sold out. Uh, but Nixon wanted to watch that game so badly from the White House and couldn't because they didn't lift the blackout. Roselle refused to do it. And so Washingtonians... Uh, couldn't watch the game unless you could get Channel 2 in Baltimore or you were one of the 53,129 that were lucky enough to be there. That was the capacity uh, for 1972 football at RFK, 53,129. It would eventually become a number that I think many of you of a certain age are familiar with, 55,035. But for that day in 1972, 50 years ago, it was 53,129. Washington was a three-point favorite in the game. The weather was super mild for New Year's Eve. It was 49 degrees at kickoff. It had rained for much of the day, uh, but the rain had stopped at kickoff. The field was a little bit wet and damp and muddy, um, but it was a super mild day considering uh, the time of the year. And the game was nationally televised on CBS, just not in Washington, nationally everywhere else. And the broadcasters on the game, Jack Buck was the play-by-play voice. Pat Summerall was the lead analyst. This was before Pat Summerall became a play-by-play guy. Summerall was an analyst. Summerall would eventually uh, start to to become the lead play-by-play analyst for CBS. Uh, But that wouldn't happen until 1974 when he got teamed with Tom Brookshire uh, and started doing games with Tom Brookshire long before John Madden came along. Madden was a coach during that time. So Buck and Summerall were on the TV call, and you're going to hear what I found on YouTube. I found the radio call, the national radio call, CBS Radio. Uh, The broadcasters were Don Klein and Andy Muser. Uh, So I'm going to intersperse during my conversation with uh, Billy Kilmer. You'll hear some of the play-by-play as it was called on national radio, CBS radio, for that game uh, as well. All right, let's get to Billy Kilmer. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. are taking the field to our left, the Redskins taking the field to our right. And now we'd like to call on a man who is an outstanding sports broadcaster for many years and a director of sports for the CBS station in San Francisco. Here's Don Klein. Thank you, Andy, and good afternoon, everyone. As we approach zero hour here for the Cowboys and the Redskins, Dallas trying for its third straight Super Bowl appearance which would be a new success record in gaining access to the Pro Football Championship encounter. And as Andy mentioned, as you undoubtedly know by now, they know the winner of this one knows its opponent two weeks in. Washington, having won its first division title since 1945, trying to extend that mark of success to its first overall championship since they beat the Bears in 42. 50 years ago today, Washington won their first NFC championship game in the Super Bowl era. It was December 31st, 1972 at RFK Stadium. Washington beat the Cowboys 26-3 to advance to Super Bowl Seven on what was a wild New Year's Eve night in the nation's capital. And the starting quarterback that day at RFK was the one and only Billy Kilmer, and Billy Kilmer joins me right now. Can you believe that it's been 50 years? I know that there have been other, you know, sort of uh, momentous dates, 25 years, 30 years, 50 years, Billy, since that night that you guys beat the Cowboys 26-3. to You know, Kevin, it seems like it was yesterday. Uh, you know, years go by so quick, uh, but... You know, 50 years is amazing. I'm glad I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) We're all glad you're still here, too. And, of course, you know, that season, before we get to the game itself, um, was, you know, a season in which Sonny got hurt, you know, at Yankee Stadium against the Giants earlier in the year. You took over. Uh, It was a great team that year. You guys went 11-3, losing the last two. You guys were 11-1 and then really didn't play – um, to win the games, you had clinched the NFC East title uh, and didn't have a lot to play for uh, in that finale against the Bills. But in that play, oh, you know, actually, let me, let me back up. What do you remember? What stands out to you more than anything else about the regular season in 72? Well, you know, 72, I started this season yep. as uh, uh, we went to Minnesota. On a Monday night, and then I think the Giants the next uh, week, and we won our first two. 
And then we went to uh, New England, who hadn't won uh, any games for about a year or two. And uh, I remember giving a long uh, interview to the Washington Post. And then uh, Dyron Talbert walks through, and I said, "How are, you, how are we going to do for you know now, tomorrow?" It was Friday and or Saturday, and the guy and Dyron said, "Well, the Pats are patsies." <laughs> well, in that interview, I whatever I said in that interview, and I said that you know we had to be careful of New England. They had a young quarterback in uh, Jim Plunkett. And I said, you know, we can't take him lightly up there. Well, don't you know, I threw three touchdown passes in that game, and we lose a uh, uh, field goal kicker, missed a field goal at the end of the game, and we lose by a point, and then George benched me and put Sonny in. And Sonny did great. He, he won, I think, the next three games, and we went to New York, and then he snapped his Achilles, and I came in and finished the rest of the season. That New England game, Billy, is famous for Bill Malinchak's blocked punt, which, you know, a lot of the film of that game reveals that it was recovered in the end zone for a touchdown, but it was ruled a safety. And so it went from 24-21, and it should have been 28-24, you guys, to 24-23. They punted it, and then you got them in range, and Kurt Knight missed a field goal that would have won it uh, at the end. And you're right. You threw threw three touchdowns that day um, against – I'll tell you what. I I did throw a fourth one. And if there had been instant replays that game – uh, to Roy Jefferson in the back of the end zone, and he kept two feet in Browns, made a great catch, and they ruled him out of bounds. And uh, you know, in our films, that you know, after you know, the next day, because there's no instant replay when they called it incomplete, it right. was over. Well, but the... he had kept both feet in bounds, and that would have been another uh, touchdown to win it. Yeah, that was that was a shame. You guys, by the way, I'm looking this up right now. You were ten point favorites over the Patriots, who were terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were they were a terrible team. They finished three and eleven with one of the wins being over the eventual NFC champion uh, Washington Redskins. So, what about you know? Here, this is by the way, the seventy one season for me is the first season that I remember. George's first season. You know, the game that you guys had at the Coliseum late in the year. I think that's the first football game, Billy, that I can remember as a small child. My father let me stay up uh, you know, and watch Monday Night Football because that was the game <laughs> where you guys clinched a playoff berth. And and the 72 season, the other, I remember that opener against Minnesota in the New England game. I also remember the, you know, the game that you didn't play that Sonny played in, the first of the two against the Cowboys, you know, which then had become the big, big rival because George had put a, a, a target Target on them. Do you? That was a that was a sunny game, but it was at RFK in October, and that was a huge game in the NFL that year. I know you didn't play in it, but do you remember it? Well, not really. I, okay, I remember the score. All I remember is we won. I knew that uh, Sunny came in and played three games and real good games. Philadelphia was one of them, I think, and then the Cowboys and somebody else before we went down to New York. But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, 
Sonny, yeah, he played super there the last the three games that we uh, that he was in, of course. There's that famous shot. Oh, the, the thing about the yeah. the, you were, you mentioned the '71 season. Yeah, and you know we started out five and zero. Yeah, and I threw and we went to Kansas City, and I threw Charlie Taylor two touchdown passes in the first half, and when he went over the goal line, they. He broke got tackled from behind and broke his, well, yeah, his fibula. Yeah. And if Charlie had been uh, uh, healthy that whole year, that year we might have won, won or went to the Super Bowl. Charlie was having a great year. I, I can't remember, but he had probably already caught about five touchdown passes, and we were only six games into the season, maybe more. I can't remember, but... Anyway, when Charlie broke his leg, we did make the playoffs, but it really hurt our our offense uh, tremendously. And he was having a heck of a year that year. Oh yeah, I mean, and that was a great game against the Chiefs. You know, who, who were right. you know that that was the Hank Stram, Len Dawson, Otis Taylor, and all those defensive future defensive Hall of Famers. And that was the first game you lost in the game in which uh, Taylor broke his fibula and was out for the year. Uh, yeah, that exactly. That team was a really good team. And remember, Billy, I mean, you had a big year that year. I mean, the game that you had against the Rams to clinch the playoff berth late in that year um, was a monster game where you threw three or four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, that that, did it. We got into the playoffs. But after Charlie got hurt, we had a little lull, and then we we got a tie with Philadelphia, and then – we lose a couple of games. Well, we lost to Dallas in our stadium that that day that right. year, and we had beat them in Dallas earlier. And then they came there, and we lost the game thirteen nothing. We had no offense, and uh, maybe one other game. And uh, we had to win uh, Philadelphia, New York, and and then the Rams to get in the playoffs. Which we did. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen this or if you ever uh, look for these things, and maybe you don't. But, you know, that Rams Monday night game is actually the whole game as it was broadcast on Monday Night Football by ABC with Frank Gifford and Meredith and Howard Cosell is actually available on YouTube the entire game. And you're interviewed by Howard before the game started that that was like that opened the broadcast with Howard having a conversation with you in an interview I don't remember that but yeah, uh, yeah you, you guys know I don't know that was a long time ago yeah that was 51 years ago let's get back to 50 years ago in the 72 season so you right. come in and there's that famous shot of you walking onto the field at Yankee Stadium against the Giants with Sonny uh, being carried off um you know, I've talked to Sonny many times over the years about that season and his disappointment, but you guys were so close. But did you know when you walked onto the field that the injury was going to be a season-ending injury to Sonny? Did you know that at that point? Not, no, not really. I mean, I knew he was limping, and he, had never, he hadn't got hit because I was watching him, and then he threw a pass, and I took my eye off of it and went downfield. And I turned back, and now he's limping off the field. That's why I kind of looked at his, they got a picture of him limping and me looking at, at his thing. I, I, you know, I didn't know if he got a sprain or what happened. So uh, I was, I didn't know at the time. 
that, that it was an Achilles. Larry Brown on that day, if you recall, set the franchise record with 191 yards rushing. And you guys, I know. Yeah. He, he had a great year that year. He was MVP. You know, he was the catalyst for our offense that year. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's fast forward to the postseason. Um one of the things, and I don't think I've ever asked anybody, I don't think I've ever asked Sonny this, and I'll ask you this. The Packers were your first playoff opponent at RFK Stadium. Uh, it was Christmas Eve, 1972, and it was a different Packers team. It wasn't the Lombardi Packers, but was there still the aura of the Packers in 1972? I don't know. I don't think so. They had a complete different team. Uh, uh, they they were basically a running team in those days. Yeah, had that really good running back there that had a good year. John Brockington. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Brockington had a great year. Uh, you know, when, when we, what was the score, 16-3 exactly. or something like that? Yep, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and our defense in those two playoff games, uh, they were magnificent. In fact, the defense was good enough to win when we played uh, Miami in the Super Bowl. And uh, our defense was just great all year. But the no playoffs, they really came uh, and they played great. And, uh, you know, hold both teams down to three points in those two games, uh, those playoff games. By the way, Billy, I don't know how much you watched of the 50-year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception game um, last weekend, but that game was played the day before you guys played the Packers. That was the you know the Bradshaw-Franco-Harris uh, game, and that was the day before. And the game that yeah. followed that game was the Cowboys coming back from down 15 in the fourth quarter to beat the 49ers at Candlestick, which meant that the Cowboys were going to be the opponent for you guys in the NFC Championship game. So when the Green Bay game ended... What were your first thoughts, you know, looking forward to the Cowboys and 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 having that rivalry renew in an NFC title game? It was all right with me and my all our team because it was going to be played at RFK, and that was the big thing. We had a home field advantage, so you know we we felt good about the game, and uh, you know it. it, it the, the one thing about that game that I'll never forget, and probably it's the most motivating thing that I've ever had in my entire life, was uh, the morning of the game, we used to have a little coffee deal. We were up, uh, me and Ron McDowell, Pat Fisher, we'd go down in the restaurant uh, at the old Marriott out by Dulles Airport, and I was reading the paper, and in the paper, uh, Tom Landry had said, well, I think we have an advantage uh, because Roger Staubach is a better athlete than Billy Kilmer. Right. And I almost, I just, uh, I could have played the game right there. I was so fired up and ready to play. And I've mentioned it a lot of times, but uh, I, if they'd have played the game right then, I was ready to go. You know, first of all, the thing that people don't know about you prior to your car accident, you were a phenomenal runner as a as a college quarterback and as a pro quarterback in your early days. 
You were yeah, a halfback. Yeah, I was single wing. Yes, I was a single wing tailback. You know, in college, and but you did a lot of throwing, and you know, I did all the kicking and running, and you know, that's why I went to UCLA because of that formation. You know, there's another story about that game that uh, Roger Staubach's told before. He said that prior to that game, Dyron Talbert had said, and and it was in their papers, that Washington had the advantage because it was Staubach that was going to play the game and not Craig Morton. <laughs> so Staubach, yeah. Staubach came into that game fired up as well. How many Have you had conversations with Roger over the years about the rivalry or that game in particular? Yeah, I used to live in Dallas for a yep. while, uh, you know, when I was, uh, yeah, I used to see that, and I went to a lot of Cowboy games in those days, and I'd run into Roger, we talked about it a lot, but, uh, you know, I, and he mentioned about that, so, uh, you know, he he was he was fired up too, Darren fired him up, <laughs> yeah. our defense played super that day. All right, tell me about the game itself. First of all, you know, the RFK Stadium experience, which I got to be a part of as, you know, as a kid and as a teenager and as a as an adult, a young adult, um, you know, nothing we've seen, obviously, from FedEx Field has ever, you know, come close to that. What was the stadium like that day? What are your memories of, you know, pre-kickoff and, and, and how jacked up the place was? Well, I remember it was just packed full, and you know, of our fans, and they were right behind. And I remember taking the opening kickoff and moving them right down the field. I threw, I think, Charlie Taylor a touchdown pass to open the scoring, and uh, from then on, you know, uh, and our defense shut them out, and uh, other, you know, and I know it was a close game, and it was ten to three there, and I remember. Uh, I I fumbled the. Somehow I tried to hand off. To, I don't know if it was Larry or who it was, and I, I, the ball came out and it was fumbled. And I remember Jerry Smith came out of nowhere and jumped on the ball because the Cowboys were gonna if they the, if they had recovered that fumble, it was inside the 20 yard line and that it would have given them some spark and uh when jerry jumped on that ball then we moved and we probably had to punt the ball i can't remember the series and all that the only thing is uh you know <clears throat> when it, we were 10-3 and the quarter was over the third quarter and we've changed ends and i went over to the sideline and uh Charlie Waters was the uh, their, their left corner, uh, right corner to me when I'm looking at it, and he got hurt just before that uh, uh, change of possession there. So they brought in a, a kid that hadn't played there very much, and I went over. I said, I'm going to try to run him. I told Charlie, just run by this guy. I ran a play-action pass. Deal because uh, on first down, that's what the Cowboys always played was a running down def- defense they had. And when Charlie, <clears throat> when I ran the play action play, turned around and I just heaved it as far as I threw. In fact, I thought I'd overthrown Charlie. And Charlie had some burst of speed. 
and he went from the 10-yard line to the end zone as quick as anybody, and he just ran right under the ball. That that just blew the game wide open, and the fans just went. I remember the explosion of the fans. Mark Washington. And, uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget that. Mark Washington, yeah. Yeah, he was the quarterback. Kilmer dropping back. Going to heave long to the right side, way down the right side. It is caught for a touchdown. Another Washington touchdown, and again, it's Charlie Taylor. Way down the right sideline. A 45-yard touchdown pass. Gilmer to Taylor, their second collaboration of the day. And they beat the rookie, Mark Washington. Yeah, he was the corner, and and it was a perfect throw, Billy. I mean, and I don't know if you threw it as far as you could throw it, but uh, you know, we've those of us that have been fans of the team um, have watched that throw many times, and it was perfectly laid in there, and and that was really the clincher. I, I you know, I, that game is a game that really doesn't exist on video anywhere. It's just you know a lot of the NFL film stuff, and it it did. The final score was twenty six to three, and you're right, it was ten to three going into the fourth quarter, and that fumble that Jerry Smith recovered was huge. But I I get the sense, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you guys were the superior team, and that even though the game was close from a score standpoint, your defense just wasn't going to let up anything. No, they weren't. And, you know, uh, we had a couple of – after I threw that touchdown pass – you know, if you remember, if you look back at stats, that was the last pass I threw in that game, because we intercepted Roger a couple times, and and we got in uh, plus territory. You know, and, uh, Kurt Knight kicked four field yeah. goals. Yep. You know, to get there, but I didn't try to. I just tried to run the clock down, and and we did run the ball pretty good. We got fairly close, and Kurt made two or three field goals in the fourth quarter, you know, after that. And, uh, you know, that was the game. Three field goals in the fourth quarter, the last two from 46 and 45 yards. And the NFL Films shows that the 45-yarder, the last one, just barely, barely got over the crossbar. (laughs) And so from the 45-yard line, Knight will try another one. He's been successful three times already. the distance, it just did sneak its way over the goalpost and hitting across the crossbar on the extreme left side, a 45-yard field goal by Knight, added to 18-39 and 47-yard attempts earlier, and he has his fourth field goal of the day. And fans after that one, and there were still two minutes left in the game, started to storm the field. And the rest of that game was played with just the fans sort of lining the field. On what was, by the way, and I didn't ask you about this, what was just a mild day. And it was January, it was December 31st in D.C., and it was 50 degrees and mild. Like it was. I know, it was a perfect day. Perfect. There was no wind. You know, no wind. It was, you know, I, as far as I, it could have been. Zero, or it could have been ninety degrees. I didn't. I, you know, the weather didn't bother me at all. 
You finished 14 of 18 for 194 yards, two touchdowns, both to Charlie Taylor, including that beauty um, in the fourth quarter. Uh, no interceptions. You weren't sacked once, at least according to the, uh, to the, to the stat sheet at, at Pro Football Reference. And you, by the way, I think you rushed uh, at least. You had a couple of rushes, including one for a first down um, in that game, and you guys won the game 26-3. to So... Your memories of the aftermath, the countdown to the final few seconds, George being carried off the field, and then what happened that night? Because I imagine that there was quite a party. Well, I, I went to two or three parties, and I ended up down in Georgetown, uh, you know, after midnight to about three or four in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that that's probably typical of me anyway, so uh, I didn't have to... I didn't have to play a game for two more weeks, so I partied pretty good. Do you remember where were you in Georgetown? What was new? What was the spot? Was it Winston's? What was what was the spot in Georgetown, nineteen seventy two New Year's Eve? Well, it was the Paul Mall, Paul was Mall one of yep. them, and and then right across the street what was that uh, was Nathan's? A, uh, no, uh, uh, no, no. Right, right across the street. From Not pa- Winston. Winston was up the street. Yeah, it was up the street. Um, there, oh, God, there's a famous old bar. That well, Clyde's, there Clyde's is there. Cl- Clyde's. Yeah. Clyde's. Yeah. It was Clyde's. I, in fact, I closed Clyde's up at 2 or <laughs> 3 in the morning. <laughs> and who was with you? Was it the whole team? Because I know a lot of people ended up at Duke Zebert's that night. Uh, 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 uh I had, you know, it's funny. Uh, first of all, I had a bunch of friends of mine from Dallas that I was with early, and uh, and they had to catch a plane in the morning. But I, I just kind of partied with them early, you know, right after the game. And then I had to go to a party with uh, Johnny Coons because uh, I was representing the Coons family, you know, in the, uh, in the car business, and they had a big. New Year's Eve party uh, up out in uh, 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 Fairfax County, right. uh, and so I went out there, you know, you know, around midnight, you know, and, and then I went back to Georgetown after midnight and uh, stayed there till probably three in the morning or something like that. Um, I can only imagine uh, the partying going on. Um, and I was with a bunch of teammates, you know, off and on. They were they were at every, you know, wherever I was. <laughs> I, I would Im- I would imagine you were getting chauffeured around uh, pretty much most of the night. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had a chauffeur. Um, uh, that that was that was a New Year's morning uh, waking up like many do, but uh, v- for you uh, because of different reasons. Um, Twenty six to three, fifty years ago on a warm New Year's Eve night at RFK Stadium uh, in our city, which was such a different city back then. Um, you just yeah, the, very different. You know, so much so different, and just you think about all of the things going on, the political environment. You know, uh, Watergate had been uh, the Watergate break in had been June earlier that year. You know, it was like you guys are winning the NFC championship and Woodward and Bernstein are working on trying to solve this Watergate thing at the same time, you know, probably somewhere in Georgetown as well. So um, lastly, for a couple of weeks, nobody thought about politics. No, nobody did. Uh, Nobody did. Um, 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a special night. Of course, two weeks later was a disappointment. But man, you know, in Super Bowl seven, you had chances. You know, I, I've always thought that 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 one throw to Jerry Smith in the back of the end zone that hit the crossbar was the big one. Yeah, it was. It would if it had got that in, it might have been a different different ball game. You know, and then you know with uh, what. Jagero, your premium, yep. doing his little deal, and Mike Bass running in for a touchdown. But our defense played good enough to win that game. Offensively, we I didn't play real good. I threw three interceptions, and that, that kind of stifled our offense. In the second half, we moved the ball up and down the field pretty good and kept it kind of away from their offense, but we just couldn't score. We had chances. We missed a field goal. And, Something, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, uh, next year or the year after, I'll have you back if if you'll do it. Because I think some of the I, – I think the 73 team in many ways was a really good football team that certainly had a chance to get back and do some damage. And you guys had a chance in that playoff game, again, you know, at Minnesota. And then your 74 season, that was a hell of a football team too and a really good offensive team uh, – that year, and you guys got stymied against the Rams in the Coliseum. Uh, but those are those are forty eight and forty nine years ago. So we'll wait on those. Uh, I hope uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy going down memory lane. I'm sure you've been asked by other people to do it. Uh, it's amazing. It's been that long. But I hope you're well. Happy New Year to you. Um, wish you the best, Billy. Thank you, Kevin. Same to you. Happy New Year. And uh, I'm going to be up there for. Sonny's, uh, oh, right. uh, uh, which they should have uh, retired his number years ago, but uh, I'll be there in that ceremony. Uh, you got that right. Should have happened uh, before, and, and they're going to retire Sonny's jersey during the, the, the game against Dallas next week, um, and it'll be great to have you up, uh, Billy. Thanks so much. Again, Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Kevin. Billy Kilmer, everybody. Wow. What a memory still. Super sharp. God, I enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you did as well. Uh, And it's great that he's going to be back in town next week for Sonny's Jersey retirement uh, ceremony. Uh, If you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast, man, it would be helpful if you would do it. Um, It would take 30 seconds on Apple, five stars if you don't mind, a quick one to two sentence review, maybe about today's show. Um, That uh, would be truly helpful. All right, that's it uh, for this special uh, edition. Uh, Really, really thrilled that Billy was able to do it. I'm going to leave you with one more call from that CBS radio call of the championship game. It's the final call as the final few seconds ran off the clock. A happy new year. I'll be back on Monday. The clock now is running. The count is on. The fans are already starting onto the field. Seven seconds remain, but they'll never play them, believe me. And the field is a swarm of humanity here as the Washington Redskins won the game. The clock still shows a second to go, but they'll never play it, believe me. And it is 26-3, Washington leading in the game. And I shouldn't think that they will try to clear the field and get in one more play. What purpose would it serve? A sea of humanity, particularly on the Washington side of the field, where their Redskins are trying to fight their way off the field. Meantime, the Dallas Cowboys are walking from the field with...
hardly anyone paying any attention to them as they go to the locker room through the goalpost to our left. The Redskins are attempting to use the dugout to our right. Andy, you'd have to say at this point that the Washington Redskins have uh, finally found uh, somebody who could stop them down there today, and it's their own fans who are doing a better job of stopping them from getting out of the stadium than the Dallas Cowboys did today. George Allen, of course, is being carried from the field, as well you might imagine, and I am certain that the game is going to be ruled complete, and Phil will tell you that that's the end of the game with the final score, Washington 26. Dallas 3. We'll be back with a recap in just a moment. <laughs> 